In this brief podcast, we look at the top six major changes since World War II to psychiatric services. Number one, World War II. Prior to World War II, shell shock, hysteria, lunacy, idiocy, all these kinds of words were used to describe or perhaps minimise mental health issues. When our heroes, when our young men, when our boys came back wounded and traumatised, the capacity to ostracise other eyes, mental health issues, decreased. In World War II, money was spent helping young men and soldiers. Number two, lithium. In 1949, John Cade discovered the therapeutic capacity of lithium carbonate in order to change and help people experiencing bipolar kind of disorders. This marked the beginning of the psychotropic revolution. Number three, deinstitutionalization and the therapeutic community. In 1970, R.D. Lang stated that people would become better and improve their quality of life if they were not living in mental health institutions. Prior to this, the majority of psychiatric services were provided in large psychiatric hospitals, which were in satellites outside of major cities, completely separate to medical hospitals. Deinstitutionalisation in 1980 meant large institutions were shut down and mental health services were integrated into mainstream medical surgical hospitals, no longer having that mind-body split between mental health and medical health. Number four, incarceration. In 1955, 558,239 individuals lived in psychiatric hospitals in America. That's one in 294 people lived in a psychiatric hospital. 40 years later, 14 years after deinstitutionalisation, 71,619 individuals lived in psychiatric hospitals. That's one in 3,630. Deinstitutionalisation worked in stopping people from having to live their lives institutionalised. However, this had a flow-on effect. In 1980, 501,886 Americans were incarcerated. That was the year of deinstitutionalisation, 501,000. In 1995, 15 years after deinstitutionalisation, 1 million 587,791 Americans were incarcerated. So in the period of deinstitutionalisation, incarceration escalated by 216%. It was clear that people were being deinstitutionalised from psychiatric services and reinstitutionalised. In response to this, more forensic services were established. World War II medication, deinstitutionalisation, incarceration and now social action. Eight years after the deinstitutionalisation movement, there was a phenomenon in Melbourne called suicide by police. With deinstitutionalisation, there were promises of increased community services and support for people with mental health issues. This did not fruit. There was no CAT team, there was no emergency response. When somebody was having a psychiatric emergency, the police were called. 
the police did not have training in psychiatric emergencies and often these crises would end in a police shooting. In response to this, the CAT teams were established. Crisis assessment treatment teams of highly skilled senior clinicians who could respond with police or without police to help people in psychiatric emergencies. In 1998, there was the establishment of a national mental health plan. Social action was making a change to how mental health was portrayed and treated. In 2014, thanks to a consumer movement and belief in improving services, the recovery focus framework was developed. The National Mental Health Strategy stated that We needed a reform from our institutionally-based system to one that is recovery and consumer-focused. In 2014, the Victorian Mental Health Act embraced the recovery movement. In 2018, a major party within the Australian government stated that it would call a royal commission into mental health due to a failure of mental health services to create safe places for people to receive safe treatment. So the major movements in mental health service delivery that have been discussed in this podcast, World War II, psychotropics, deinstitutionalisation of the therapeutic community, incarceration and forensic mental health, social action, recovery focus and a mental health inquiry. 